subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. I'm Mike Boris, and this is Straight Talk. There are some people who are just destined to be that entertainer. I always thought about you. Entertainment royalty. And the one and only Rhonda. Rhonda. Rhonda Birchmore. For 17 years of my life, they were my next door neighbours. Boris is in the Birchmore. All our life, all my life. I always heard your mum's tape recorder going <laughs> and tap dancing. Tap dancing. Out in the veranda there. I had that wonderful support as a kid. It took a few auditions to kind of go, they go, oh no, she's way too tall, she's way too this, she's way too that. I remember throwing out those ballet shoes and saying to mum, I never want to dance again. And you know what? As you get older, I kind of go, well, if that doesn't work, so be it. We used to, especially Michelle, have a major crush on you. I should tell her she was very beautiful. My sister would pass away from motor neurone disease. And I said, who do you want to see? And she said, I don't want anyone to see me how I'm looking. Never spoken about it to anyone. You know, the one person I'd love to see is Mark. Oh, really? You were the only one. Rhonda Birchmore. How you going, mate? Oh, Mark, it's been a few years in between. Oh, my gosh. I bumped into you at Channel 9 recently and uh, I hadn't seen you for ages. I was just saying earlier, probably the last time we saw each other uh, was either at my mum's funeral, your mum's funeral, your dad's funeral, your sister's funeral. Yeah. A funeral, Yeah. unfortunately. Mm. Um, but you made a suggestion, let's get together and have a chat. And I thought, hey, this is too good an opportunity. I'm going to get the great Rhonda Birchfall on my show. Very kind. No, not very kind. <laughs> it's the it's the real deal. You're the real deal. Um, you, you know, you're currently in hairspray at the moment. But you've just got a whole heap of shows you've been in over the years. Um, I, I have, you know, I love the Birchmores. I mean, they're our next door neighbour. I've got to tell everybody. Yeah, we love next door neighbours. <laughs> the uh, Burrises and the Birchmores. All our life, all my like for seventeen years of my life, they were my next door neighbours. And uh, amongst we had other next door neighbours, but they were out there. They were a, a big family. Like um, I don't mean numbers, but they were just a big noise, a big. 
just bigger than Ben Hur as a family. All of you, the yeah. whole family was. Your dad, Jack, like unbelievable. Yeah. Like he was a big, tall guy. I remember him as a big, tall guy. Mm. Um, but he had a really important job, as I remember. With the um, transport, yeah, with, Brambles. With TNT, Brambles, mm-hmm. that's it was. I think TNT bought Brambles in there, but he was like he was a, a big deal in Brambles. Mm. Um, you know, and all the rest of us in the street were just, you know, just little battlers. Yeah. Our parents. Our parents were battlers. They were. They just were. But, you know, Jack was that. But he was a big, tall guy, really mm. laconic. He, to me he was really tall. Mm. I, I don't know if he actually was when I think about it. Was he? Yeah. Well, that's where I guess I got height my height. Yeah, Dad was 6'3 six, six, in yeah, the yeah. old scale. Which is big back then. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a couple of generations ago. Um, and uh, and and Yvonne, your mum, my God, she was tall too. She she was tall for, for women back yeah, then. Yeah. She was like 5'9 and that was tall. She was tall. I remember she was tall. and uh, But she was big personality. Mm. Oh. Uh, she was a big personality to me. Jack was more quiet. Yeah, even was, was. She was um, even on your mum was really to me was a big personality. Then it was you and Shelley or Michelle, mm-hmm. your older sister, and then it was Stewie, your younger brother. Yeah, was more around my brother's age. I yeah. think similar. Well, no, she more more around my sister. Um, she was more of my sister's age. Jane. Yeah, and uh, might be slightly older. You all of the family was singing and dancing. Um, oh, yeah. I remember you guys. And I don't want to get too nostalgic because I don't want to bore our audience but about my nostalgia. But I remember the thing that sticks out in my mind when I think about the people who lived next door to me as I was growing up as a kid was I always heard your mum's tape recorder going <laughs> and tap dancing. Tap dancing. On the, out in the veranda there. Yeah. Is that right? Dad, Dad built a, a back kind of stage and that's where Michelle and I used to tap and practice and practice and Stuart would roll oranges down to try to trip us up. Um, I mean, so many wonderful memories of just that innocence. I mean, you and the Bruce's were the first Greek uh, family in that street yeah. and there were only about nine families and uh, – it was like just that wonderful innocence that everyone, you know, you needed a cup of sugar, you'd go, we'd play in the street. And remember those bonfires at the end of yeah, this yeah. where we take down our crackers and uh, bringers? Cracker night. Uh, it was it in, a, in June around the Queen's birthday and it was Guy Fawkes Day whatever. Mm. And we'd all, and some of the older kids in the street would build these bonfires and they'd I ma- think massive you. bonfires. Massive. Me with Chris Famine. And yeah, people. yeah. And uh, we used to build these massive bonfires, and uh, we put tires on them. And oh, uh, was you, t- you couldn't do it these days. No, no, it was no, no. you get into trouble if you did these days. But our life was fun, yeah, and simple mm. and innocent. Absolutely. You know, I look now as a as a parent, and and you kind of go, we'd be out on the streets playing for for hours, and you know, we someone would know where you know, the other sampling was and, uh, you know, even we backed on to Bennett Park, which was a big old park, and I used to go out there and practice my imaginary dance routines by myself for hours. I mean, you couldn't do that now and it's just... How did you... Why did your mum, Yvonne, get you into dancing or, or did you guys say, Mum, I want to become a dancer? Oh, no, no, no. How um, did that happen? Mum had a really... I'm not sure if you're aware, Mark, she had a really rough... Uh, Upbringing. She was out to work at 13, uh, 14. Her, her mom um, single-handedly raised her in Elaine because her dad was an alcoholic. 
and uh, mum's escape pretty much was to go to the the pictures, as she used to say, and uh, see, uh, you know, the likes of Judy Garland, Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly and uh, she was self-taught uh, costume, uh, made all our costumes since we were, were two. And I guess when Michelle and I came along, especially Michelle, um, her, uh, they went down to Rockdale, the Joan Smith Academy of Dance with Amanda and uh, I Another tagged. Another one of my neighbours. Yeah. I tagged along as a two-and-a-half-year-old and, a half year old and uh, apparently I, I used to go home and beg mum to be in the dance class and Joan used to say, oh, she's too young. Um, you know, she you have to wait till she's five, and uh, I was physically the the height of most of the five, six year olds, even at two and a half, and I I finally uh, got into that dance concert, and uh, and so I guess it, Mum wasn't like a a stage. People say, was she a stage mother? I think. When she had the Michelle and I, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to give them all the opportunities and the dreams. And so I was, you know, I do pinch myself that I was so blessed that, I mean, dad used to just pay for it all while it was, you know, in charge of transport. But um, mum gave us the opportunities to to singing and dancing and uh, piano and all those wonderful opportunities that I now even though I'm 105 now, but I look back and I go, okay, I had that wonderful, you know, support as a kid uh, to to kind of pursue my dream. And, uh, you know, a lot of people get those opportunities and then they kind of go, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. But uh, it's it's still in me to, you know, do what I love. Do you think it was a, a case of, you know, people who moved into our street, everybody, most, well, just about everybody I knew in the street, come from somewhere else and mm. they're all, all the mums and dads were trying to improve the lives of the kids relative mm. to the life that they might have, that they might have liked to have had when they were younger. Because it just seems like everybody in the street. They were battlers. Battlers, but not, amb- well, I don't want to use the word ambitious, but sort of ambitious, you know what I mean? Like They wanted the best and I think it was kind of contagious, that kind of energy. Uh, I remember, you know, we, as I said, where you looked into our carport. I, I mean, I remember mum saying, oh, look at look at Mark. Look, you, you used to play the piano yeah, there yeah. And, and, and when you went to school in your smart school uniform and um, you for us were kind of, look how smart, you were really smart too as, as kids too. Um, Adrian and you, and I guess it, it was, you know, they they weren't wealthy, but your folks, you know, as mine, as as so many of the others, gave us those opportunities to kind of pursue, whether it be sport. I mean, Stuart, my brother, was, you know, and I know you two were up swimming, and uh, you know, the the hours that the your folks put in to kind of uh, give us these, you know, opportunities to whether it was going to be, you know, you're going to be a sports person or a, a singing dancing, uh, you know, we had those, uh, that foundation. It was sort of a bit of a phenomenon though when I think about it, Rhonda, because the street was, um, it's, um, I mean, I was the first kid born in the street, um, mm-hmm. being the oldest. By the way, everybody, I'm significantly older than oh, Rhonda, significantly. <laughs> he looks like a million dollars. I um, remember us, Michelle and I, I must have to interject here, we used, to, he was so good looking that we used to, especially Michelle, have a major crush on you and she used to 
dig our way under the fence to play. I used <laughs> yes, to play I doctors did. and nurses. Yeah, we did. <laughs> about- my first girlfriend ever. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Uh-oh. Unfortunately, Michelle passed away, unfortunately, mm, yeah. um, and at a young age, too yeah. young an age. Wow. Um, it's just terrible and it was a very sad event. That's Rhonda's older sister and, and uh, someone I grew up with. But with our street was a phenomenon because, I mean, if I, I was only talking to my dad about this on the weekend. If we just go down the street, so there's Ada and I and, and my sister and then next door was you guys and, uh, and look at Rhonda Bertram, every household name when it comes to entertainment in this country and still there after a long period of time. So your longevity been, has been phenomenal. A little bit further up the street was a guy called Kim Reader. Kim Reader was in, I think, he the was London in Royal Ballet. The Royal Ballet and he was in, in Cats, yeah. yeah. And, and and then across the road from that was Amanda Clark. Um, Amanda was in the Australian Royal. Australian yeah, Royal. and I think she went and the German. Bo- Bolshoi, yeah. Yeah, well, Bolshoi was it, yeah. yeah. She was a ballerina and she's now ballet, ballet teacher up in the northern suburbs of, of, of Sydney. Um, there was the Famans um, who have all done very well for themselves. Mm-hmm. It was The street was quite unusual and mm-hmm. I, I never could work out whether that was the same everywhere and I, I now know, I couldn't at the time, but I now know that it's not the same mm-hmm. everywhere and I couldn't work out, out what the phenomenon was. But I think the phenomenon it was all the mums and dads were very close mm-hmm. and I think they fed off each other. Yep. So my mum was very close with your parents. Mm-hmm. My mum and dad were very close to your parents, very close to the, the clerks up the road, mm-hmm. uh, very close to the people across the road um, and also the reason we all had a big community mm-hmm. and the community fed off each other mm-hmm. and we don't see that much anymore. No. I mean I'm, I don't even know my neighbours mm-hmm. where I live now. Well, I don't want to know my neighbours. Well, yeah, well, well, I'm sort of like that too. <laughs> I don't really, well, I don't, I'm not that I don't, I don't really care that much. I don't I mean? care but yeah, it but, was very different. they don't different. care about me either. They don't but, give a shit. But, um, but I don't understand what it was how, what was the driving force? What do you think it was? Why were the, you know, if it was raining, mum would run in there run and, and get, send, send me in. Go take a look. Take, take line. To, yeah. I mean, it was just special. It was just so special. I remember your mum, I could smell her cooking and if she had extra, you know, and, and she introduced us to olive oil. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and it, it was that beautiful thing. If someone had a tree with lemons or we used to have that great choco vine. Mate, it grew over onto our fence. I know. And I wish it never did because my mum used to take the chocos off the vine and she used to make an apple pie thing yeah. and she used to put it, you know, you don't have a lot of money, so she used to put some chocos in there with the apples, the green apples, and to uh, pretend and I could always try to work, is that a bit of apple or is that a bit of a choco? Because it looked kind of the same. It looked the same. So, and, I, and she tricked me with it and uh, but I would sit there picking out the chocos. But, it, I mean, those memories, I mean, and you go down the street now and I go, oh, my gosh, for one choco it's like $5 and they were, as you were saying, they were like a weed. They were growing wild. Um, but it, it was just that beautiful community, um, I don't know what it was, and, and you, you take it for granted that and even down the, the local uh, shop, um, yeah. the, the groceries. The Logans. The Logans. Um, you they had know, a grocery store down the They corner. had the one grocery and we could get our lollies down there. We could, you know, that was a big deal to cross the road to get down there. And, uh, yeah, just beautiful, wonderful memories and, um, yeah, I'm, just so, you know, when people go, I, I, I say, well, you know, my neighbour was, you know, Mark Brewers and they, we go, wow, for that little street of maybe eight or nine families, um, it, there's you and there's me that are kind of household names. It, that, that's quite extraordinary. It's pretty, pretty, and yeah. it's pretty cool. And, I, I mean, I'm, I, I have to thank 
not just my parents, but I have to thank, I think, all the parents in the street because mm. they were so supportive of each other. Mm. And, um, you know, unfortunately quite a few of them have passed away these days. I think Dad's probably the only one. I think he is. still alive. Um, and But when I go back to looking at the way the parents, all the parents supported each other. Mm. So if someone was sick, mm. there was food made. If there was uh, somebody doing a bit tough, I remember when my dad lost his job. Across the road, as you remember, there was Ronnie Fairbrother mm. and uh, and and Margaret Margaret Fairbrother, um, and uh, Ronnie always had more money than Sim. Yeah, he had the else. pool. He had the swimming yeah, pool. Yeah, he was a bit more rich <laughs> than the rest of us. And um, I remember um, he gave my dad a car. Wow! When when the recession hit, because my dad was going around on a bicycle trying to get a job in the factories. And uh, Ronnie Fairbrother gave us a car. and uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he gave us a car. And um, and I also remember, and Dad will hate me saying this, but I remember, you know, things are so tight that the butcher down the corner there across mm, the road, down yeah. the corner, at the, end of the, uh, at the end of Saturdays um, he would come up and put a, um, a parcel of meat, whatever he hadn't sold, and he just put it in a box and no one ever said thank you or well, maybe mum and dad did, but like mm. it was just like, Pretend we we didn't get it, uh, you know. I mean, like it was just but you needed it, but you were. He was probably a little embarrassed yeah. to accept. And, like, but he did it anyway, and uh, and it was like just amazing when I think back at it because mm. those sorts of gestures mm. stay with, with stay with me now that I remember them happening. Stay with mm. me forever, mm. and it actually forms a little bit of who I am today, which mm. is one of the reasons I do the mentor show because I like to give back to people. Mm. I, I like to pay forward. To be what I've learned, what do you think, Rhonda? The impact of that has been on Rhonda Birchmore, the personality. I think a, enormous. Um, you know, people say that I'm, I'm, and I love that. That you know, they they see me as a kind person, and I I think that kindness, um, and I think that's kind of one of the reasons why I'm still here, you know, 40 years in the business and, and still I'm what that taught me back there and my mum and my dad and all that growing up was to, you know, even though I've done leading roles in London and Broadway, I am as nice and kind, kind I think is the word, and, and respectful to the stage doorman, uh, to my dresser, as my leading man, you know, I I think that's the thing that, you know, mum and dad, we always, you know, had time for everyone. And I think whether it's someone at stage door, you kind of go, a lot of people go, I haven't got time to have a selfie or, or I always have time because I know those people are the ones that, why I'm still here. Um, I think it's, I think it's that generosity of spirit and um, uh, wipe away all the the bling, the, you know, the tap dancing, the song. Uh, I, I think it's um, I'm a fairly genuine kind of um, the real deal. And you live in Melbourne these days, although you're up in Sydney at the moment doing hairspray. Um, married. Married for yeah. 105 years yeah, yeah. to the and same person, yeah, Mark. That, 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 you've done better than me in that one. You just and like wedding cake, that's all. <laughs> well, no, yeah. Some people might say I like giving money away, but um, but but at the end of the day, but you're still married. He's a, he's a radiologist or something? No, he's a psychiatrist. Psychiatrist, right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I knew he's in the medical profession. And kids, what's the deal? We just have the one. Yep. 
um, you know, without going dippy down or down that I, I wanted more and that wasn't going to happen, uh, you know, happen. But I, I figure I've got one glorious uh, daughter who is a journalist and, um, yeah, you know, she is the love and light of, you know, because Nick is quite a bit older than I. Um, he's 16 years older. So, um, yeah, and we've, we've managed, it, it hasn't been easy. There's, uh, especially with a lot of, in, um, my business, you, you go to London to do a show for six months or, you know, all over the world. It, it, it is tough and, um, it's a lot of trust involved there and, um, and respect. And, you know, he, he's my best friend. That's pretty important, and and I guess it's important in those sorts of relationships, particularly if there's a business around it. Which, in the case your case, you have a business. The other party has to be a busy person. Mm. They can't be just sitting around waiting for you to turn up. No, you know, no. You know, Nick, as a psychiatrist, obviously he's a busy guy, and uh, particularly when he was practicing. Oh, he still is. He's still practicing. He's yeah. going to be good. No, no, <laughs> no. He, he still practices yeah. uh, two, two or three days a week. Yeah, and but, and, but, but when you were in London, for example, mm. he's on, he's on call. He's busy. Yeah, yeah. And like, if he's sitting around doing nothing, mm. um, that's when people go a bit crazy, cause, mm. you know, because they just get lonely. And yeah. yeah, and 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 I think too. Uh, uh, another reason for the longevity of that relationship is that we are in completely different uh, areas, um, you know, but we kind of complement ourselves uh, or each other. So, um, y- you know, in all these years I've been married to, to Nick, um, I would, he's so confidential about his, his, you know, he, he, he does his work there and, and, and I would never know, I'm only that someone might come up to me and say, oh, your husband has really, really helped me. He's, he keeps that private and then he, I keep, well, I'm probably not so private because of just what I do, but he comes home and we just have wonderful things to talk about. Um, he, he never talks about his work. Um, we, we, you know, and I think that kind of opposites. Is he interested in your work though? Is he, so oh, is he interested in the theatre? He's my biggest fan. Is he? He's my biggest fan. Uh, yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He, he gets really, really, really excited. Um, I was just, uh, recently, um, Queen of Moomba, which is a big deal if you're from Melbourne. It's Especially like, post-COVID. Uh, yes. And because, uh, you know, the people to get that title, you know, is it Bert Newton, uh, Shane Warne, all of these, and you get your queen for a day. And he was sitting there, a blubbering mess, you know, of me waving to the people. I mean, he's such a sentimental, um, he's so proud of me. And uh, yeah, I, I love that about him. He's tough. He's tough. And he's probably, he is my rock, but he's the one that's, uh, you know, people ask, how have I survived this industry? Um, he's taught me to toughen up. Is it, is it an industry that you have to be a good survivor in? I mean, like. Oh, I, totally. What, what are the pressures though? Like it's <clears throat> well, not having work or having too much work or. Well, people poking around your life. What is it? There's, there's so many things. I mean, if we just go directly back, uh, the last two years with COVID, we, uh, everything was cancelled. We got no compensation. I, we, I got no. I didn't put in. I didn't get a grant. I didn't get. There was no money coming in for two years. Um, it's not only the money. Uh, fortunately, I was okay. Uh, a lot of people um, has wiped them out from their, you know, musicians, but that live. 
week to week. Um, we we live job to job. I mean, I'm doing hairspray. Yeah, this is great. I've been doing it for nine months. I get a weekly wage. When this finishes, there's nothing. There's no, uh, you kind of wait for the next, um, you know, and that's where I, I'm kind of, I kind of create my own, um, if, if, if there's nothing offered, I, I kind of go, what do I want to do? And, and I kind of get motivated and write a show or do a recording and, or, or do something. Um, I can't sit idle for too long. So, so let, let's, let, that's a good thing I'd like to talk to you about. So when Hairspray finishes, which is a week or two, um, there's nothing sort of been thrown at you in, at, in, for the future. Um, what do you do? Like when you say you're creating your show, well, there's Birchmore, one of Birchmore Productions. Yep. But what does that do, for example? Well, that that that's my company and she, <laughs> she who, director, um, I – you know, it's it's probably for, for for all tax reasons and all of that stuff. I I like to be in my own company, but I kind of go. I mean, there are jobs that come in the corporate things. There's a film bit here. There's an appearance here. Um, you know, I even now my you know well for months I kind of tick it and go. Well, what am I going to do in three months' time? Um, I, why though? Why are you still that? I way? don't know, Mark. It's the, it's something that, uh, you know, a lot of my friends are kind of retired or thinking about that. Um, I still have this drive to create something new. There's still musicals that I want to do. There's still recordings that I want to do. I would love to do, um, you know, a, a chat show. I would love to do a, all sorts of things. Um, I'm currently thinking about doing a, a cabaret show, um, which is very much stripped back from, you know, people may know me as, you know, the glamorous, you know, leggy, Rhonda Birchmore, hey, hey, it's Saturday, all of those things. I want to strip that back and and maybe very simply, you know, it's like behind the behind the curtain. Um, these are the stories. These are the some of the things that happened behind the. You know, I, I've met, and I'm not being a tosser here, Mark, but I, I you know, I I met and performed um, Lady Princess Diana five times. You know, um, those stories that people go, oh my gosh, and 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 uh, work with Mickey Rooney and Anne Miller. Mickey these Rooney, people. My God. Um, the, and if we wind back to Lee Avenue where we grew up as kids, in our house, when one of those movies came on with Mickey Rooney or Judy Garland, even though we'd be tapping and mum would be going, Rhonda, Michelle, uh, everything would stop because she'd go, oh, my God, one of these musicals are on. Come and watch Mickey Rooney. Come and watch Judy Garland. Watch the tap dancing. Watch And she'd get a lot of inspiration for her. Um, making our costumes from that. So f- can you imagine when I actually got to work with these people in London's West End, um, mum and dad flew over. I mean, I was excited, but mum and dad 
to actually meet these people, go out to dinner with them. Mum was like, oh, my God. It was like. Mum told me about that. My mum told me about mm, the Mickey Rooney thing. So what were you, what, what did you do with Mickey Rooney? So I did a show called Sugar Babies, um, which was a, at the Savoy Theatre in London's West End, and that was with Mickey, uh, who was very difficult. Um, he wasn't like the, the charming thing that we. He wasn't the young kid that you saw in the old movies. No, it he was he was uh, tricky Mickey as we used to call him. He was um, he was seven times married and, uh, um, but and then Anne Miller. You, I look at these people and I, I pinch myself that I had the opportunity to stand on stage and work with them, as I was in my twenties then. You know, as a kid from. From Punchbowl. Mickey Rooney was a great tap dancer. Was a, a, a great actor. And, and, and Miller could, was the could, great. But he could dance too. Oh, I, he could I, move. I remember yeah. seeing him. Oh yeah, with, in movies. with Judy Garland. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was was that show in, on the at the West End on the West End at the West End was that uh, was he dancing? Did he do any? He he da- he, da- he, was, he was an incredible comedian. Yeah, and he's I mean incredibly successful actor and. All those things together, he used to sing and he used to dance, he used to do, uh, it was like a vaudeville show. So to watch the genius of he and Ann Miller um, as a team out there, as, as the, I was like what they called the, the soubrette or the ingenue, um, to watch those was like a masterclass for, for me as, you know, someone, someone from Punchbowl going, oh, my God, this is working with these Broadway legends. And what um, would you put that down to? Because a lot of people in West, Western Sydney or wherever it is, mm. Victoria, anywhere, some part, place in Queensland, maybe a regional area, thinking to yourself, I'd like to be Rhonda Birchmore. I'd like to be able to be successful. I love dance or I love footy or whatever the case mm. would be. What was it that got you there? Mm. I mean, it wouldn't be luck. I mean, what was it? How did you end up in There London? is a bit of luck. I mean, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of hurdles. I mean, I was, as you can see, I'm six foot, which is not uh, the normal height for someone to be uh, in musical theatre. I mean, my sister Michelle, she was my pin-up girl. She was five, six, and she was the perfect height, blonde, blue-eyed. Uh, here I was like more like this giraffe kind of thing that I knew um, it's an interesting question because there, it took a few auditions to kind of go, they go, oh, no, she's way too tall, she's way too this, she's way too that. I knew then that I was never going to be in the chorus. I knew if I was going to make it, I had to make it as a lead player or, you know, something. I wasn't just going to fit in with 20 girls all the same height in the same costume. Yeah, because um, and but, but that's a, a thing that you worked out. But what do you reckon was it, was it just... How much is hard work, we're just working hard, I should say, mm. and commitment to the mission, mm. how much has that contributed to your success? Because you worked out you can't be, you've got to be the leading lady or you've got to be some other, something other than a chorus mm. line because it, to be in the chorus you had to be same size, mm. <laughs> looking back, you're basically the same as everybody else. Yeah. And you never, yeah. So how, apart from working that out, what was it that actually got you there? I mean, in terms of executing it, what do you put it down to? I put it down to... You know, and I said from ever since I was little, I've I've loved doing what I do. I I I would go up to the raindrop fountain 
in Roselands. In Roselands and put my enter myself into a talent contest. I I can't explain what it is. It's this drive. It's this I still have it. At, uh, I'm 105 now, but I still have this. I still the adrenaline. I I loved. I never saw it as going. Oh my god! Mind you, the only one I saw as a uh, chore. I didn't like ballet, and that I loved tap dancing. I loved singing. I loved performance, but ballet. And I and I I look back now and I go, oh, maybe that's because I was six foot and I I was bullied uh, by the. Uh, the final um, when you when you take the exams to get into oh, well I'm either going to go professional or I'm not even though I'd put in the work um, I was laughed at in this uh, one of the big final examinations that you do uh, by uh, the adjudicator who said my God who do you think would ever dance with you at that height and I remember getting on that train <laughs> to the East Hill Line. <laughs> throwing out those ballet shoes and saying to mum, I never want to dance again. I never. And it took me a while. And so um, I focused more on singing. Um, the, the the love of performing never went away. But, you know, you say you work hard. Tap, I just loved every bit of it. Um, as I said, singing, I had the records on all the time, Judy Garland, Barbara Streisand, Shirley Bassey. Um I've never seen it, you know, and and for me, I have these, you know, you're bringing back all these memories of, you know, in the street and, and in the park and where we used to go for holidays down the um, Sussex Inlet. I used to put on my own shows for myself. I, I'd create them even as an eight or nine-year-old. It um, wasn't, do you reckon it was like an obsession or? Not an obsession, just I don't, I don't know what it is. You know, people say, is it in your blood? I, you see, Michelle had... My sister, who was my pin-up girl, when I'd see her in these musicals, I go, oh, my God, that's what I want to do. And she, through injury, she couldn't do it. And she went into another career. Um, she didn't have that same drive. She had the same opportunities as myself growing up, but she didn't have that it's not. You don't she didn't seem like she was in love with it to me. I, well, it was not as – she loved – she loved the show, but she did. She was very happy, I think, when uh, you know um, to go, move on and do something else. Yeah, but because because my memory of of the work you guys put into it, mm. and the probably the commitment your mum showed, mm. and your dad was always working somewhere and just you know, paying the bills. Paying the bill, yeah, he was out paying the bills, but just the commitment mm. of the two of your mum and yourself. Mm. That's my memory, and you're always travelling around. To a Stedfords. Yeah, there was a Stedfords always on. There was always a competition. Competition. I mean, we used to drag, get dragged along to mm. watch you sometimes. You had to come along to the mum, finals, mum, I know. My mum used to take us, and so so did Dawn and Fred up the road. Yeah. They drags along with their kids, and we'd all end up being there together. Um, you never came, by the way, I played piano a few of Stedfords, and you never turned up to oh, any of my Stedfords. Oh, rude. Oh, but I used to hear you next door. You know, I- at one time my mum said to me, she said, um, you, you got to do an. I was doing year six piano, like sixth grade piano, and she said, "I want you to do an step." And I said, "Mom, I don't want to do that." Anyway, I remember um, I hadn't practiced properly, and Mum um, took me into. We caught the train into Central, mm. and somewhere near where the dental hospital is, I remember there was a an Stedford Hall there, mm. and I went in the there, city of Sydney, and I wasn't yeah. ready. I wasn't properly prepared, oh. and I was so nervous. 
and I got up there and completely cooked my piece. Oh. Um, and I uh, like just like sort of froze and uh, halfway through because I, I just, I don't know, mm. just cooked it. And uh, I, I remember saying to my mum, mum, I'm just not any good at this stuff. Mm. And uh, I, I pretty much, I mean, I finished it off year six, but I didn't do anything after that because I took the view that I'm not a, not a musician. I'm, I'm not. But you I, were damn good as a yeah, kid. Yeah, but we I used just to could listen. read music. That's all because mum just practicing. Mm. Um, but I, but I think that's what you're saying about Michelle. Mm. There are some people in the world who are just destined to be mm. that entertainer, and I always thought I didn't think that about Michelle. I always thought it about you. I always thought you were going to be the one uh, as as I was growing. And I, I turned out to be right. I didn't know. I wasn't like thinking make positive. Because we had the equal opportunities. Yeah, it, I mean, you, you, you and Michelle did, but like you were always going to be the entertainer. And what's interesting to me is that after 40 years of being in this industry and having done pretty much everything, there's, you know, and Queen of Moomba, et cetera, like there's <laughs> not that much more you can achieve. It tells me you're not doing it for achievement. It tells me you're doing it for love. Mm. You love it. Mm. It's who you identify. It's who Rhonda mm. Birchmore mm. thinks or I, uh, thinks she is. And it would be interesting to know what Nick, your husband as a psychiatrist, would say about your neurological story about who Rhonda Birchmore is. Because Rhonda Birchmore, that's your name, but it's sort of, sort of like a, it's nearly like a definition oh. in Australia. In Australia it is uh, of a, Great entertainer. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Who's, you know, shown an unbelievable amount of longevity. And I wonder to you, I've always wondered, Rhonda, whether you think that about yourself. Mm. I mean, do you ever pinch yourself and say, I am Rhonda Birchmore, the person, you know, those words. Do you think that? <laughs> I, I pinch myself to when I think, oh, my gosh, I'm. this is how old I am and because I remember as clear as, you know, yesterday my first, you know, opportunity working with Jackie Weaver and John Waters. That was my first musical at, at 24 or no, 22. And I, you know, I I kind of go, oh, my gosh, it's gone by that quick. Um, I pinch myself to think that I've still got 
you know, getting opportunities and doing what I, um, and I kind of embrace that, oh, uh, and I have no plan, even though, you know, I, I'm at a certain age to kind of decide to give it away, but just because I'm an age, it's age for me is like, I go, no, nah, I'm not even going to deal with that. Um, I, you know, I I don't see any big deal about it. I mean, the, I went on that crazy show called I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, when it was in South Africa. And um, my husband With Julia? Said, uh, yes. I love her. Love Julia. Um, it's my, sort of similar, you know, in a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, personality-wise. Yeah, and like a bit larger than life and like, you know, Julia's very funny. But he, uh, she, my husband said, you know, if you go on that, show I'm going to divorce you <laughs> and I went and he'd, they'd asked me three times and then finally uh, a couple of years just before COVID the you know um they'd rang again and I went you know what I'm going to do this I want to do this for myself I want to I want to show Australia that there's more to Rhonda Birchmore than just the singing dancing showgirl strip back of makeup um having to live, you know, in this kind of camp. And I got right to the end. I was the last woman standing and no one ever expected that I'd. And I I, I surprised myself with that show in terms of uh, getting that far and I, I didn't know how strong I was. Um, you have a fair bit of tenacity. <laughs> I mean, you do. Yeah. And I, I as I'm sitting here, I'm just, I can see your mother. I, I can see even like just. It's killing me. Like it's so. Aww. It's just like She's I can come I, back. <laughs> I can see Yvonne sitting here in front of me, um, talking to me, and uh, she had an incredible amount of tenacity. Like mm. she was incredibly tough. Mm. I don't mean horrible, but tough and resilient yeah. as a person. And I think maybe now, you know, you're just talking about that. Maybe it was because of her rough childhood and all of that stuff, and. But she was she was larger than life, Mum, and I mean, right to the end, um, dementia would get her, which was just a shocking, shocking thing. But she still, even right to the end, had a fabulous sense of humour, and uh, yeah, it's. Um, yeah. Do, do you know that when I went to university, somehow my mum and your mum, somehow I don't know how it happened, but your mum worked out there. Yes, she was at uh, the registrar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and often um, I would stuff things up at um, like registration each mm-hmm. year. I wouldn't uh, register. Put probably, your thing in, put or in my applications for different um, subjects. And, mm-hmm. and you know what was amazing? I used to go and see in those days. By the way, I should tell you, I used to call her Auntie Yvonne. Yeah, and she called my mum Auntie, Auntie Marsha and uh, Uncle George. We're all uncles and aunties in the street, and of uh, and as I say, it takes a village to raise a kid, but. Um, and we were raised by village. Um, and I used to go and see Auntie Yvonne and I'd say, oh, my God, I forgot to do this. And she would always slip things through for me. And make Isn't us, that cool? She yeah, saw that's it. it. Oh, still looking after us. She adored you. We she still, had, uh, we just got looked after by our families. And, mm. you know, like I could have stuffed a whole lot of things up because I would I would just forget about what I've got to register for. Or, I mean, mm. I was never on time. It was not like these days we got diaries and stuff mm. like that. I didn't have any of that sort of stuff mm. going on. And, um, and I was a bit. Not absent-minded, but I was a bit of a dreamer. Mm. I wasn't like that focused. I mean, I guess something to do, and I do it, but I wasn't that focused on what I was doing. And it was amazing. And I was just thinking that when you were talking to me about how um, Yvonne, your mum, mm. how, how many times she helped me um, as a and she's basically oh. a good person. I just think that 
those things at the end of the day rub off on how we do our, how we live our lives and uh, today especially as we get a bit older. And you know what, Mark, I I just know my dad was the, I, I had a string of, you know, they were the healthiest people in the in the world, you know, all our families. And then Dad would pass away from Parkinson's, and um, I just remember we were so knocked out that you and your brother, your mum and dad, um, you know, we hadn't seen. I mean, I think mum and dad and um, Auntie Marsha and Uncle George, they'd go on those kind of yeah, little they holidays with the Fair Brothers. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, we were just so not. And you, you, you'd become incredibly famous and 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 successful. And but we were. Uh, um, as a family, so knocked out that you actually took the time out of your, you know, incredibly busy to 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 make that time to come down to Warrenora to come, you know, we'll never forget that. And yeah, but of course it would, because like they're an important fabric part of the fabric of my life. Like it's mm-hmm. amazing, and particularly Michelle. Like, uh, oh, do you know? So can sad. I be really sad? My sister would pass away from. Um, sorry, I'm really uh, m- uh, yeah, motor neuron disease. disease. Yes, and um, uh, it was it was a specific one called uh, um, oh God, ALS MSA MSA. Um, uh, and uh, he, she was the most beautiful girl, and 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 she she was so proud of how she used to look when this disease took over. Um, she was, I should tell him she was very beautiful. Very beautiful. She was dancer. She was gorgeous. And but if I can say this, and I've never spoken about it to anyone, uh, she was in this uh, place in Cronulla uh, with her her husband, and um, uh, as her body was, uh, you know, gradually ev- with this, yeah, everything, the brain, everything except the brain, the body, her speech, she couldn't eat, she couldn't do anything. And uh, we knew she only had weeks to uh, live because it's just one of those things that there's no cure for. It, it, for your listeners, it's like a she had the combination of Parkinson's, muscular dystrophy, multiple sclerosis, or she had the trifecta. Um, but my point is, Mark, um, we you go through when you know someone's, you know, old memories and things. And I said to her, "Oh, who do you want to? Who would you want to? Do you want to? Who do you want to see?" And she said, "I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to. I don't want anyone to see me in how I'm looking." And you know. And then I went up another week, and she said, "You know, the one person I'd love to see is Mark." Oh, really? And I, I, one of those things that I regret. Wish I'd have known. I definitely. She was the. You were the only one, because she. Of all her friends, because she said all those friends, a lot of them are kind of fair weather. The, the, she had, a, you know, a handful. I was, you know, may, maybe three, three close ones. But um, yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm a real sook. But isn't that? That's a lovely story. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm actually glad you told me that, because what's interesting is it kind of goes back to what we're talking about. Mum died of motor, motor neuron disease too, and mm. uh, it's the most dreadful disease. Um, and uh, and I just thought it was interesting because I never knew anybody had motor neuron disease, mm. neuron disease apart from Michelle. And then my mother died from it some years later, not that many years, about six, seven years later mm. after Michelle passed away. 
and it's extraordinarily debilitating. And what's interesting is Michelle was very beautiful and I, I can imagine how she felt mm. as a result of the deterioration of her body. What was interesting about my mum is, you know, mum could talk underwater mm. and uh, was the best talker and uh, conversationalist, loved mm. it. Mm. But the thing that she got robbed of was her conversation. Mm. She couldn't hold a conversation anymore. Mm. And, it takes uh, it away. And, uh, but I, their brain still My great. brain was unbelievable. Yeah. She could still read everything but she couldn't speak. Mm. Got to a point where she and she used to write things down. I have at my home, um, and I don't want to make this a morbid conversation but because uh, uh, we're here to talk about you, but a, a series of bits of paper which mum, because she couldn't speak, used to write on it for me, write things mm. down, and I have them in graduated format and at the end, I couldn't even understand her writing because her hand was. Of course, she lost use of her mm. hands. It's just a dreadful disease, and it robs people of what has had been really important to them in their mm. life. And it's a terrible thing for me to find out that um, you know mm. Michelle didn't want anyone to see her, mm. and it's and it's not because she's had some massive ego because that's not her. No, it's because she felt. I'd imagine she felt embarrassed. She, she was embarrassed. And same as mum. Mm. And mum got, got agoraphobia then. She wouldn't go out mm. when she first got it. And uh, it's, it's it's yeah, and it's these things have an impact on us. I don't care what mm. you say. Mm. They form who we become. Mm. And I'm sure Michelle's got a lasting impact on you. Oh, and, gosh. And you st- is that one of the reasons you still think I want to keep performing because I can? I do and I do and I think of her and I, I go out there, uh, whether it's hairspray or, you know, um, Queen of Moo, I go, my gosh, and I talk to her. I, I still talk to her. Uh, every every opening night I, I have this little ritual that I, because Michelle was the reason when I saw her in Irene with the likes of Julie Anthony and Noel Ferrier, Nancy Hayes, I went, oh, my God, this is what I want to do. And and um, I know she'd be, you know, I, I was right there to the end with her and it, it was just, yeah. Um, and that gives me, you know, every day that I kind of go, Mark, oh, gosh, I don't feel like doing eight shows a week, I go, my gosh, aren't I lucky to be able to do that. So how many shows a week would you do with Hairspray at the moment? For eight. Example? So that that's that's, uh, that's w- including a matinee? Uh, yeah, we do Wednesday matinees, Saturday matinees, Sunday matinees. Um, by the time you get to the end of the week. Um, you cooked. Uh, they're cooked. And, you know, the, the thing I find... Um, I'm there with Shane Jacobson, uh, Top McKenney, Donnelly, you know, these old troopers that have been there. We would not have missed one or we may have met between all of us like five shows in the nine months. Um, a lot of these young ones, my gosh, Mark, they're, they're you know, off every damn, you know, by every uh, sick. Uh, yeah, I just, or oh, I'm not feeling it today. You know, I, th- I think uh, they need to. I don't know if it's a different generation or whatever, but um, we love. We can't wait to get on, and and this is how we were brought up. To yeah, you might have a bit of a cold, but you still go on. Is that and that old saying, the show must go on. Is that that's for real? Yeah. Oh yeah. No matter what. Well, we've had a few issues um, that uh, in in the old days it would. We, we, we have to double for someone or just move a scene around or do something. But now um, sometimes it's cancelled and, and we kind of go, well, in the older days we could have got around that. But um, it's different times. 
And do, I was going to say, have you seen much of a change from when mm. you first started off at twenty-two years of age? You know, a there l- were Mickey Rooney to, to today. What what what's the biggest? What are the biggest changes you've noticed? A lot. I mean, I think a lot of change in the attitude of some of the kids. They kind of go, "I'm not feeling it today. I, I'm not. I'm going to call in sick. I hate that. I just for me, it's like." I, well, what I, happens then? So let's say there's an understudy, but but what happens if 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 the cover is sick then too? The understudy. Uh, yeah, we are up shit great. So what do you do though? We've had one situation where the show had to be cancelled, oh, wow. which um, when you're thinking about a, a fourteen hundred seat venue, um, that is a lot of you know. Unhappy customers. Unhappy customers. The producers have got to obviously get that across the line with the insurance to be able to cancel it. It's a there's a lot of things put in place, but sometimes uh, things go wrong. Yeah, but it, like, but what's interesting about what you just said then is that during the war years, the shows in the UK, in London, when they were getting bombed with the Blitzkrieg mm. was happening, they were still holding shows. Yeah, nothing, nothing stopped. Yeah, it's sort of nearly like. Uh, to, to me, anyway, always turning up to mm. whatever it is I've my mission is, whatever it is mm. I've agreed to do, is part of my life. Mm. Yeah, and and, and 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 I think that's what when we go back, the Burruses, the Bur- we 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 know we're lucky. I mean, you, our folks work so damn hard to give us these opportunities. We don't take it for granted. Uh, this is, it's a very different attitude. It's this kind of, oh, I've got a headache today and I go, well, well just take a damn Panadol. something and get yeah. on. Yeah, get on and start start it's, singing. It's very, it's very different. I mean, there are changes. I think there's there's good changes being made with the Me Too thing with, especially in our industry. Um, a is lot that of, a thing? Is that a thing? Oh, it certainly was. I yeah. mean, and, and not to go, uh, to get me in trouble, um, but I had a, a fairly shady, uh, tricky time with Mickey Rooney. Um, he was me 20, 24, you know, 25 in London. Uh, he's this 70-year-old man, you know. It wasn't it wasn't um, uh, sexual abuse, but it was certainly abuse. Yeah. Um, of the sexual nature. Uh, it wasn't, you know, he was, um, yeah, it was very interesting times. And I know because that was my first big show in London, had I gone to management and said, this is what's happening, this is, he used to come into my dressing room every night and just, it was just awful. Um, and I just used to keep going with my makeup and just do all this and get on the stage and not do anything about it. Something would it would be very different now. I, I didn't say anything because I know back then in the 80s, um, late 80s, I would have been sent home. Oh, really? They were, yeah, they would have gone, Mickey Rooney is the star of the show. Ann Miller, you were, this is your first show. This is your first opportunity. Um just uh, you know, grin and bear it type so of thing. So what? What? So when something like that happens, what do you do? You just decide I'm not going to make any noise because I, I could lose my gig. Yeah, that's exactly. I knew I was going to. I thought I'm going to be on the first plane home. I'm. I'm a nobody. I'm nothing. So you just said I'll just cop it sweet. I'll just cop it sweet. And now I look back, and that is what the big change is now. I think that kind of behaviour is not acceptable. So, so, so there's less, let's call it bullying. 
mm. whether it's of a sexual nature or any type of bullying, is just is is people have now been empowered to mm. speak up. Yeah, and and that's. Do you think that's is that just off the back of the Me Too movement, or do you think that was something that was building up anyway? I think it was coming. I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was. There was change, and I just think that was kind of the. The, the um, I can't think of his name, Feinstein and all yeah, of that yeah, stuff, yeah. Um, was the, the turning point for a lot. And, um, um, you know, I, I, it's, you know I, I remember and I'm, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, I, Rolf Harris, you know, he, he, I don't know where he's, if he's in jail or where he is at the moment, but I remember when I was doing Hot Shoe Shuffle, which was a huge show here with David Atkins, I mean, the, the, I didn't even know him. And right in front of my husband, he, you know, grabbed my ass and my breast. And, you know, you can't do that now. You can't you did, do that. You in front of Nick. Yeah, Nick went there. Yeah, in front of Nick the shrink. Uh, you know, but I kind of go, well, that's that's just part of show business. No, it's not part of show business. It's not part it's, of anything. It's not part of anything. No, it's no. But um, and and it's interesting that someone like that, or I don't know how many years it took to, uh, then he was kind of outed, and, um, and you go, well, yeah, I, it's it is true. They they it 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 was lecherous. It was it was wrong. Yeah, can you imagine your father, Jack, or my father, oh. or anyone else in our street ever, ever th- even mm. thinking to do something like that? Like, uh, yeah, they weren't famous, but do you no, can, no, not can, at all. But do you think it was? Do you think that mm. what was there was a sense of entitlement for these individuals to do? Oh that? gosh, yeah. They, they're, I'm Rolf Harris. I can uh, do what I want. I'm Mickey Rooney. I'm yep. short, but I can do what I want. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, especially in the Mickey thing. Because I was kind of green, uh, my first big show, um, early 20s, um, I just never, I just kind of go, okay, this is, this is how it is. I'd, you never, Mickey would talk at you. you you'd never um, get a word in uh, like, uh, and he, he was such a, a force and intimidating force too and, um, yeah, it was very different times, and um, yeah, now I'd kind of go <laughs> squash him, you know. <laughs> but it's 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 all part of the um, yeah. The- you, it, why is it that? What is it that makes Rhonda Birchmore not feel as though she's been um, bruised by those things? Yet others do get bruised. I mean, what is it that makes you so? Resilient, or yeah, I don't um, know what the word is? Is it tough? Is it whatever it is? I'd say no. It, I've heard, I've gone, I mean, this business is like one of the biggest roller coasters you could ever be on. You know, the highs are extraordinary and the lows are, are shocking. Um, I think the, the reason I'm still here, um, apart from just still my love for it, um, you know, I've been nearly destroyed a couple of times. I've I, I've nearly kind of gone. I I don't ever want to do this again. And, and one of those times was when um, I opened Melbourne Melbourne Casino. I was the name above. I was Crown. I was, it was Rhonda Birchmore, Red Hot, and Rhonda. And uh, I was I was thrown into the whole thing of gambling and all that mess that we're introducing gambling to Victoria. And the reviews, and I'd never had a bad review in my life, and suddenly I was kind of uh, like every Demonized. other day, 
every other week on the front of the age or something with my head down the toilet, she's going to die, you know, not, you know, she needs to get rid of her type of thing. And um, so I've had my fair share of shit house times, like the well, lowest what, what of lowest. brings you back? I think it's it's my drive to still doing and I and I've I bring in Nick here. Um I also, you know, think of my, my mum and my dad, um, and my sister, my biggest fans. Um and a very close uh, you know, friendship group just kind of giving me that support to kind of get back on the horse and um don't let those all that destroy you because a lot of people don't have that support and I think all my life I still do have a very good, um, well, Nick, um, being very wise, um, older, yes, uh, but just in terms of away from the industry enough to kind of give me concrete advice how to deal with these, whether it be bullies or situations or um just me trying to get me back and do what I want to do rather than destroy me. I can't imagine you ever feeling like that because you've always come across to me as like like unbreakable. Oh, That's, yeah, unbreakable. Yeah, but you always come across that way and uh, so therefore you must always recover mm. because you're good at recovering. Mm. I think that's probably your strength, not that you're on breakable but you can recover and that's probably important mm. i'm always we're all breakable mm. but the thing that sets some of us apart is that what keeps us gives us longevity is we can mm. recover mm. we've got to be able to recover fast and this the 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 recovery part is about having a great support group mm. or people you can lean on a bit mm. i mean i lean on my brother and my sister my father etc and when my mum's love with those sorts of people but um that recovery process is just knowing someone you can go and talk mm. to mm. You know, like in my business, you know, I need lawyers and I got the mm. best Alsatian German shepherd <laughs> lawyer in the world <laughs> called Adrian Boris and, uh, and my God, he's a tough bastard. Um, and uh, he always comes in a bat for me. Like, a, and you know as well as I do, there's no one you can trust better than your family. Mm-hmm. No one. Mm, and, no. Uh, there's no one. And I'm so lucky to have someone like that. He'll just come in a bat as soon as an issue, straight up. Mm. Doesn't matter. Like Adrian's the sort of guy who would die in my arms. Like mm. that's that's I know that's and, the duty and is, and like, and vice versa. I mean, like that's the duty it's is. A beautiful. Thing. It's very. I'm so lucky to have it because it helps me recover when I'm when shit is coming my mm. way, and uh, and what's good about it as we get older is that he knows when shit's come my way. I don't even have to tell him. Mm. Um, he can see it, mm. and he would just jump straight in. Mm-hmm. I would do the same for him, but he just jumped straight in. It's funny, all my life I've always had Adrian sort of there as my Alsatian at the door. Mm. Like since he's been – since he graduated law school, he come and joined me in the law firm I was at when he was 22, 23, whatever it was. He's been there ever – to today I'm 67. Like he's there the whole mm. time, still there. Adrian's still there. And he's still ringing, saying, mate, I'll go get that bastard for you. But like, you're, uh, you're, the two of you are like, you know, the smiling assassins. I mean, the, the, you're so gorgeous looking, the two of you. And Adrian is, you were always for me the, like, it's Mark. And then there was Adrian just maybe because he was younger. But so that surprises yeah. me that he's such a, I'm, I mean, I know that incredible 
you know, loyalty and and you know, Big Brother thing, but it's that he that oh, he totally. has got that killer Alsatian. Oh, totally. He, well, now he's my Big Brother because mm. he's six two or something, and he's you know, hundred kilos. He's a giant, and uh, mm-hmm. and he's a big guy. He's just a big guy, and. Uh, I mean, I always looked after him when he was young, so I always protected Adrian his whole time. I, yeah, remember, one time, see, I remember one time I walked up Shorter Avenue, uh, Adrian said to me, Mark, there are these boys at the top of the uh, top of Shorter Avenue where we used to catch a bus. Um, we were, at no- we're going to know we high. <laughs> and uh, he said um, they bashed me and some other kid up. And I remember one, I said, okay, really? I said, how old are you? He said, oh, they're older than me, blah, blah, So I remember he said, I want you to go walk up with me to the bus stop tomorrow. <laughs> so I said, okay. So I walked out of the bus stop. And I got stuck in these two Good on and you. And then their mum came mm. and saw what was happening. I messed them up a bit and their mum then <laughs> reported me to my mum. Oh. And my mum pulled me aside. She said, no problem. Good on you. Good on you. Good on looking after your brother. So I used to always look after him when he was young. But mm. now, these days, my little brother, my little big brother, he, he is like that. And oh. uh, that's so important to recover. Mm. And recovery, and I think that people who look at you and sometimes people look at me and they think, Oh well, you must be really resilient and tough, and uh, you know nothing ever bothers you. It's not true. It's not true. We go through the downs just like everybody yep. else. And for me, what I think I can do, and you just said the same yourself, what we're probably good at is recovering mm. and not staying down too long. Mm. Whether that's called resilience or what, I don't know. But it's then the recovery process is a complex process. Mm. It's having people around you, in your case, Nick is around you mm. as well, having someone who's older, wiser. Mm. It's just really important. Mm. And, you know, for people who struggle with these things, maybe think, don't think I'm not, they're not, you're not tough enough. Mm. Maybe the way you got to think about it is I got to learn how to recover better and not dwell on things and mm. try and get back up on my horse, as you said, get mm. back up on the horse and get mm. going again mm. and do the thing that you love the most. In mm. your case, it's entertainment. entertainment. You know, Mark, to, just to, to digress a tiny bit, you know, you, you're talking about your support system. You know, that was an, another very low time in my life. I had Nick, of course, and I had my beautiful daughter, Lexi, who was my sunshine. But when most of that, network of mine, my my father, my mother and my sister all died within years of each other. That was my whole, like, a huge part of why I'm here and, and my network. When all that crumbled, uh, when they passed away, you know, I, I thought, oh, my gosh, there were times there. I thought, how do I get back from this? Because I haven't got these people there anymore. Um but you you find a way, and and I think um, my daughter Lexi, um, who was, uh, you know, she was only a teen at that stage. But my gosh, her wisdom and that she she didn't take the place of my my she, no one can take that. But she was like, oh my gosh, you are such a strong individual. Um, uh, there was uh, so when those three went, it was was Nick and uh, and my Lexi, Lexi, yeah. Because people would say to you, and I'm sure they think it if they don't say it to you, how do you have such a long career in an industry that's pretty tough? As you said, there's highs and lows, mm. and the obvious answer is, well, I'm resilient. But it's probably something more than that. What do you think it is? I mean, how do you think Rhonda Birchmore has survived? <laughs> 
this whole time. Long time. <laughs> and you have had you have had disaster in your families. You've had, you know, sadness. Yeah. You know, people around you passing away who were very close to you. Mm. You've had the you know dramas. You know, with that come with the entertainment industry. How how have you survived? What is it? Um, how I've survived, I guess, is just. For a start, if if I look at it on paper, I go, well, okay, I've jumped from musical theatre to to opera to recording to I've even written a book. Um, I haven't pigeonholed myself in any one particular. If I go to, say, musical theatre um, and that's when I kind of draw on, yes, I can tap dance, I can act, I can sing this, um, I haven't yet said this is the only thing I can do. Um, whether it be going on being a dag every week for 20 years on Hey Hey at Saturday with, you know, being absolute, people didn't even know I could sing and dance, you know, but I was this daggy old thing sitting there with um, Daryl and Wilbur and Red. Um, I, I think that is a big part of why I'm still here. It's flexibility. It's flexibility. It's given I don't care if I fall on my face, uh, you know, yeah. or, or if I fail. And I have failed in some things, but I'll, I'll give it a I'll give it a crack. So you give everything a red-hot crack. No red-hot crack, <laughs> yeah. As we say. But, yep. but, but so maybe the, your resilience then is um, sort of a, a part, part of the formula for your resilience or your, you know, durability mm. has been you don't take yourself too seriously. In other words, you don't say, no, that's all I do. I can only do this. Absolutely, Mark. I'll Absolutely. try this. I'll try that. I'll try this. I'm going to, I'm just going to do drama or, or I'm going to do the straight play. No, I don't care. I, I remember when Trevor Ashley said to me, you're going to, not going to be a showgirl. You're going to be, he was doing Little Orphan Annie, a pantomime, and he said, I'm going to make you swear in this. You're going to be an, an alcoholic, Miss Trannigan, in, yeah, like it was a spoof on Annie. Um, I went, I can't. Yes, I can. Actually, I am going to show the world a different side of me. And I think it's recreating yourself. I mean, I'm playing um, in Hairspray this absolute racist, bigoted bitch. Um, that's not uh, what I normally play. But I go, I'm going to dive in that and I'm going to give it my best shot and and it's been reviewed well and people love me playing it. But it's just a different, it's 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 kind of going out there on a bit of a, a, a limb and going, and, and you know what, as you get older, um, I, I kind of go, well, if that doesn't work, so be it. Um, I gave it a go. Years ago it may have... You know, I may have been more upset about it, or you know, uh, I'll and I say what I think these days, whether I go to an audition or, or do something, rather than kind of think oh, I have to do this and this and this. Um, yeah, I, it's not a matter of caring; it's 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 a confidence that you get that when you go past sixty, you go, well, I'm still here. I'm just gonna, if I fail, fine, but I'm 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 gonna give it a. A red up crack. So it's sort of like um, you become. Well, t- tell me if I'm wrong, but as you get more experience, you become less prescriptive as to who you should be. Mm. In other words, I got a book. I'm I'm happy to be any of those things. Mm. I, I know I'm, I, and even if I haven't done that. I'll try it again. Mm. And I think that's a big part of surviving, mm. Mm. and because you know your your relevance 
is how you recreate yourself. Mm. And you recreate yourself into whatever they, whatever everybody wants mm. at the time. Mm. You say, yeah, I can do that. Mm. And it doesn't matter if you fail. No, and it doesn't. And, and I go, well, my God, as I said. And, and the other thing too um, that I think gives me life, um, you know, people talk about age and you're a certain age and whatever. In hairspray, for example, the average age of the kids are between 20 and 27. Um, of course, there's Shane Jacobson and Todd, but um, I hang with all these young ones I, and I don't go, oh, here's, here's Mama, Mama Rhonda coming along. Um, I, you know... I'm. I mix it up with the. I'm wicked. I'm. I'm funny. I. I probably. They are quite fascinated by my stories. Um, and we get on. And I don't kind of go. Oh, I'm the. I'm the elder here. I should be. You know, really serious. We. We get on as a, an incredible group. And the same with one of the last projects I did uh, was with the Jack Earl Big Band. Um, these are musicians. We did an album last year, a Christmas album, something that I'd always wanted to do but never had. The average age of these musicians are twenty, in their 20s and to work with this 20 musicians of, you know, this age and, and, and they're, they're my best mates. I mean, I've got my old fart Nick at home who's 105 but, you know, just I, it gives me life and energy um, hanging with the uh, some of these incredible Young people. You know, Rhonda, has been such a cool thing, such a great pleasure for me to sit here and talk to you. And um, You yeah. made me cry, Mark yeah, Burris. But, but Rhonda Birchmore, as usual, um, and, and I just remember you, it's such a wonderful experience to for me to remember the little girl next door always tapping <laughs> and singing and dancing <laughs> to sit here to talk to you many, many years later. I feel just as connected to you today as I do to you then. But now I know all the things you've achieved. It's just, it's such a pleasure for me. Like it's, it's really made, it's, to be frank with you, it's made my year. 2023, I'm not going to forget this day. Make me cry again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Straight Talk with Mark Boris. Audio production by Jessica Smalley. Production assistants, Jonathan Leondis and Simon McDermott. This is a Mentored Podcast. Podcast.